Good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. If you would take your Bible and turn to Psalms chapter 18. Psalms chapter 18. going to read the entire thing. It's actually 50 verses. Psalm 18, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard me. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. The earth shook and trembled. Foundations also the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and the darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen. The foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke. O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also in the large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not pass, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down the high looks. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to those that trust in him. For who is God, save the Lord, and who is a rock, save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength, and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by none arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them, neither did I 
Turn again until they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind, I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they shall obey me, and strangers, the strangers shall submit themselves unto me. The strangers shall fade away and be afraid out of their close places. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avengeth me, and subdueth the people under me. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Great deliverance giveth he to his king, showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forevermore. I've tired of the message tonight, trusting in our God of power. Trusting in our God of power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open my precious word. Thank you, Father, for uh, that we have a place to meet and, and out of the elements. And I pray that, that you would just uh, speak to our hearts and encourage our hearts through your word tonight as we consider uh, our God, our greatness of our God and his power. We, so we just pray that you would, you would just strengthen us in our walk with you and our faith in thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as often is the case, in, especially in the Old Testament scriptures, not everything that is written is applicable to us today. You know, David here talks about pursuing his enemies and beating them to the dust, and, you know, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, but, but there is a lot of application here as we think about trusting in our God of power. I know I have three, point, three main points and then some subpoints. First of all, the description of our Lord, and then... Number two, the distressed soul. And then number three, the depth of God's power. So, first of all, the description of the Lord. In verses one through three, David gives a, a vivid description, you might say, of the greatness of our God. And, and he, he's kind of a little bit repetitive. Uh, in fact, much repetitive, you might say. But one, uh, notice, one uh, important thing I want you to notice is he all... He, over and over again, uses a personal pronoun. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my tower. Um, Where that speaks of possession. It's not the Lord, it's my Lord. It's my Lord. He is my Lord. Uh, he is my strength. He is my fortress and my deliverer. And as you think about these words, all of them speak of power, defense, protection. Uh, for example, the word strength, the first strength means a sense of help. The word rock, stronghold, where safe from foes. The fortress, a place of defense, thinking like a castle. Uh, the, the word deliverer means the cause of escape. Think of the Lord delivered Peter. In other words, the Lord was the cause of Peter's escape from Herod. 
And so the word deliver here means the cause of the escape. He's our cause of the escape. He delivers us from the, the pains of death and hell and so on. He is the cause of our escape from, from the clutches of hell. The word strength, again, means rock. It's the same word as, as the word rock. Uh, the word buckler speaks of a shield of protection. You know, when the children of Israel were coming, come out of Egypt, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that shielded them from the Egyptians uh, until, they, of course, they passed through the Red Sea. But, but simply a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night came between them. So it was a, a shield of protection. Uh, the horn of salvation, horn, it, the, really the idea of a horn here is, uh, uh, refers to a horn of liberation, you know, like an animal uses its horns to save or to protect themselves uh, from from a from a uh, um, yeah, predator. That's the word I want. Uh, so it's a horn of liberty. The, the high tower refers to a hoft, a lofty place affording shelter. So you know he's he's using different terminology to, to try and get a, a a full picture of the greatness of his of his God in protecting him, providing for him, and delivering him. And, and, he, and he does this in other places. For example, in Psalm 27, uh, Psalm 27, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. You know, he can be confident in the salvation of, of the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You know, as, as we think about, you know, who the Lord is, we should not fear anything in the world. Jesus said, Fear not them that can, do, that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill the soul. So we do not fear. We need not fear man uh, in whose nostrils is a breath of life, Jeremiah says. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So when you consider who the Lord is, uh, he is the strong Lord. Uh, and so we need to trust in him. So we see the description of the Lord. And the second thing we see is the distressed soul. In verses 4 through 6, the sorrows of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid, the sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. My cry came before him, even into his ears. Now, they say this psalm that they believe is a psalm that David penned after delivered from the hand of Saul at some point. And, of course, it says here that he's compassed about sorrows. The word sorrows used twice here refers to pains of travail, almost like labor pains. But the pains of travail, the pains of life, the hardships of life. And it's the sorrows of death and destruction uh, you know, he's surrounded him. It's like a torrent, like a flood. He describes it as a flood or a torrent, you know, of waters that's almost 
you know, that's inescapable. Uh, he's surrounded by ungodliness, wickedness, sickness, disease, destruction. You know, and, and we're surrounded by those things, and, and you hear about them all the time. You know, it used to be, used to be before you had um, radio or television, you didn't hear about what went on in India. Well, you might in newspaper six months from when it happened, but most likely they didn't write about it. They wrote about what was local or what pertained to, to, to your state or something like that. You didn't hear about all those things, but now we can hear about everything that's going on in the world and all the distress and the wickedness and, and the destruction, the misery, and the, and the division even in our own country, and it can overwhelm you. David was overwhelmed. Uh He's face to face, you might say. He says this in verse 5, the sorrows of hell compass him about the snares of death. And, you know, he's, he's, it's like he's in a snare. He's trapped. And, and the picture here is of suddenly. Suddenly he's surrounded or suddenly he's uh, a trap. The word, that's what the word prevented means. It says that the, that the uh, verse 5, that snares of death prevented me. And the word prevented means that uh, to rush on unexpectedly. So he's in this sorrow and this, this distress, uh, great pain, anxiety, and it could be acute physical or mental suffering, affliction, trouble. It's a state of extreme anxiety or extreme necessity or misfortune. And that's where David finds himself in. We know who God is, and yet sometimes we find ourselves in places like that. It seems like we're compassed about that and with all the and we're distressed with the cares and the anxieties and the sufferings of life. Uh, you know, it happens to all of us. You know, we're sort of like the little boy who got up one morning, he said, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. When I got out of bed this morning I tripped in my skateboard and 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 by mistake, I dropped my sweater and sweater in the sink while water was running, and I could tell it was going to be a very terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I went to school no better and came home. There was lima beans for dinner, and I hate limas. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear railroad pajamas. I hate my railroad pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep. My Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony and not with me. It's been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I believe we'll go to Australia. <laughs> Did you ever have a day like that? You know, to a seven-year-old, that sounds pretty bad. To us, that sounds silly. We just have adult days like that. When we get distressed and overwhelmed with the cares of this life, But the psalmist said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. The word cried here means to shout aloud, to implore, to beg urgently or piteously. Um, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23 when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, it says it came to pass in the process of time that king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. 
Psalm 34, 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. You know, many of the Psalms, some few of them we've already looked at, many of the Psalms are times in the life of David when he was distressed. Even when he was a king, he, he, was, he was distressed and troubled and discouraged. You know, he, he, he was ran out of Jerusalem by his own son at one point. He was distressed uh, and discouraged. That is something that is common to man, but we need to remind ourselves of God's power. And so thirdly, I want to look at the depth of God's power. Look at the depth of God's power. Um, verses 7 through 15. I want to notice several things about the depths of God's power. Actually, four things. First of all, it is absolute. It is all power. Now, he talks about power over the earth, verse 7. Then, he sh- then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. In Exodus chapter 19, when Moses was about to go up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 19, in verses 16 through 18, the Bible says, It came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And the New Testament kind of uh, expounds on that a little bit in Hebrews chapter 12. Excuse me, verses 18 to 21. He says, For ye not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. You know, the children of Israel were so afraid, they said, We don't want God to do this anymore. We don't want, we don't want to experience this anymore. They were so terrified. And verse 20 says, For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So, you know, we see this God's powers demonstrating the earth, and, and it will be again, uh, or it was, again, of course, it was also, uh, during the uh, crucifixion of Christ, when he said it is finished, you know, the Bible says in Matthew, the, the rocks rent and graves opened. The earth trembled. So he has power over the earth. Um, he has also power over the heavens. Notice verse 9. Heaven, he bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. He bowed the heavens. That means, the word bowed there means to bend. I don't know how you'd bend heaven. But it says he bowed the heavens to bend or to incline. Uh, He controls light and darkness. Again, verse 9 and verse 11, it says he bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. Verse 11, he made darkness his secret place. Pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones 
coals of fire. So, you know, he controls the light and the darkness. In fact, Psalm 139, verses 11 and 12 tells us that the light and darkness are both alike to thee. And you, know, you, can, flee, you can try to flee from God, but, the, but he'll find you in the darkness, and he'll find he's, the light and the darkness are both alike to thee. Uh, he controls her. He has power over the wind and the clouds and the elements. Verses 10 and 11. He rode upon a cherub, did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made his pavilion his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. And, of course, when you come to the New Testament, in Luke chapter 8, verse 25, Jesus said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Uh, the thunder, the rain, the hail, the lightning... Verses 13 and 14 says, The Lord also thundered in heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He shot out lightnings and disconfitted them. That is a reference to, Je- to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, when Joshua and the children of Israel were coming in to possess the land, and they came to the battle, I believe it was at Gibeon. Yeah, the victory at Gibeon. Joshua 10.10 says, And the Lord disconfitted them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the way that goeth to Beth Horn, and smote them to Azekah and unto Makedah. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in going down to Beth Horn, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, and they died. And they were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Uh, so, you know, the thunder, the rain, the hail, the lightning, the, the rivers and the streams and the foundations of the world were all revealed by him. Notice verses, uh, uh, verse 15, then the channels of waters were seen, the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. Uh, Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9, he says, let all the earth fear, the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. You know, at the breadth of his nostrils, the rivers were formed. The foundations of the earth, in other words, has the idea of the, the building or the creation of the world, were formed. They were all made plain, all made plain, revealed. You see, he has, he has absolute power. Of course, Matt, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me. You know, you therefore in all nations and so on. So he has absolute power. I want to notice the second thing. I want you to notice also the mutability of God's power. It doesn't change. The God that was had all power and can do these things then can do them now. In fact, if you notice, some of these things, some of these speak of creation. Verse 15, I believe, speaks of creation. Some of it at Mount Sinai, verse 8. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, fire out of his mouth, devoured coals were kindled by it. Others speaks of the, uh, verse 14 speaks of the Joshua at Gibeon. Uh, verse 7 is a reference really to Matthew 27 where the, the, the earth trembled and quaked and men came out of the graves and appeared. And if you read the book of Revelation, there's going to be, Things like this happen in, during the tribulation period. Men are going to 
uh, cry and, and flee from, from God and, and from the rocks and so on. Uh, for him that setteth upon the throne. There's going to be a demonstration. See, the demonstration of God's power and authority did not end with creation. It continues. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and on earth, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions and principles or principalities and powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist or continue or held together. So, you know, this, his power is immutable. It does not change. It does not change. But I want you to notice a third thing here. I want you to notice the direction of his power. Notice verses 16 through 19. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also in a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Notice again the personal pronoun. The direction of God's power. He drew me out of waters. He took me. He drew me out of waters. Waters sometimes in the Bible refers to peoples. In fact, go to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. <clears throat> Revelation 17 and verse 1. Revelation 17 verse 1. And, so, and there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Uh, look at verse 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, referring to the waters in verse 1, the waters which thou sawest, what the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And so when David says, He took me, he drew me out of many, many waters. And he wasn't talking like he drew me out of the ocean. He wasn't saying that. The idea here is, David is saying, out of all the seed of Israel, out of all the sons of Jesse, God chose me. God chose me. Why? Why did God choose David? Why did God choose you? Why is it you that he delivered Brian Pratt, a missionary to India, I often heard him say, you know, he was an orphan, adopted by a couple in America, in Wisconsin, farm couple, who were Christians, and through that he came to Christ, and now he's a missionary to India. And I often heard him say, why out of all the orphans in India, why me? Why God chose me? And David is saying, but he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me. And again, the direction of his power, the one, what I want to emphasize here is the direction of God's power is to his people. 
That's who he directs it for. He delivered me, verse 17. Proverbs 8.31, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. Yet God's power is directed toward us. It's toward us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, you know, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he said, I want you to have the wisdom and have it revealed to you what God has for you. And God's interest in you, his hope in you, his riches that he wants to give to you. And in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Who believe? Why David? Because David believed. To usward who believed, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fulleth, filleth all in all. So you know, his power, that's above all power, is to usward. God manifests it himself, his power, for our benefit. For our benefit. It is to usward. Why did he put a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night between Israel and Egypt? It was for their benefit. It was their benefit. You know, the, the sea was still normal when the Egyptians came up to them. Moses said, stand still. And God put a cloud between the Egyptians and the Israelites so for their benefit, so they'd learn to trust him. Then he opened the Red Sea. Again, for their benefit. Believe in me, I am able to deliver thee. You know, they were in an impossible situation. They were in a distressed situation. They were in a necessary situation. Death and hell had compassed them about, just as David wrote here. And it was natural that they were distressed and distraught over those situations. It was life and death, it appeared. But God just put a cloud. What's a cloud? What is a cloud? It's vapor. It's vapor. He put a cloud between them and the Egyptians. And one couldn't pass from one to the other. You see, it was for their benefit. You see, God's power, the direction of his power is to usward who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. 
So that is the direction of his power. It's to us work. Then notice a fourth thing here. The, manifest, the manifestation of God's power requires a response. Notice verses 20 through 30. Uh, verse 20 says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of mine hands hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. Now this, this, this speaks of a, a saved man. Of course, you know, first thing that comes to our minds is we must accept his righteousness. He says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. You know, we have no righteousness of our own. It's all of the Lord. And so we must accept his righteousness, but, but we must also endeavor to keep his commandments. If you notice in verse 21 and 22, For I have kept the ways of the Lord, not, and have not wickedly departed from my God, for all his judgments were before me. Now, as I know about them, they're before me. They're in my face, so to speak. And notice what he says. And I did not put his statutes from me. He did not cast them aside or consider God's statutes unimportant. Unimportant. You know, we can't expect. In fact, if we read on the rest of this passage, you know, it says, you know, he's going to say, you know, to the merciful, he'll show himself merciful. To the pure, show himself pure. pure. Uh, but to the froward, he's going to show himself froward. You know, the word froward means willfully stubborn. It has the idea of resisting, stubbornly resisting the Lord. And if we stubbornly resist the Lord, he's going to go to battle against it. James tells us that, that um, uh, yeah, I can't remember how, how it goes. James, I know it's in James chapter 4. Um, James chapter 4. Verse 6, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So, you know, God, I heard one preacher say, the, the word picture there of that verse is, God dresses up in battle array and goes against you. If you resist, if you in your pride resist the Lord, God goes to battle against you. God hates pride. So, so he, David said, I, I didn't cast aside, or I didn't consider God's statutes unimportant. First Thessalonians 5.20 says, Despise not prophesying. Which prophesying refers to preaching, or teaching the word of God. Despise not. Don't have the idea that the word of God, or the preaching of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God, uh, it's not all that important. So what if I daydream? Or miss. What's the matter? What's it hurt? Yes, it's not really that important. That's how the average person looks at it. But Romans ten seventeen still says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We're talking about hearing, not reading, but hearing. You know, what we don't realize is we hurt ourselves. We hurt ourselves. You know, David said... These things were important to me. God's statutes were important to me. 
They were preeminent in my life. I made them part of my life. Notice also, God, you know, it is God that delivers us, that enlightens us, that protects us, that perfects us. Notice verses 24. Therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself froward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. Of course, again, refer, high looks referring to a proud person. For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Again, the, the idea here is that God gives us understanding and wisdom for life. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 97. <clears throat> Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Now, David said, you've made me wiser than my enemies. I mean, they're always with me. They're always around me. You know, there was times uh, where the, the enemies of David come into the land of Israel, were to invade the land of Israel. And, and, and you know, he, he was a warrior. He was a, uh, a general. He knew how to win battles. He knew how to, he knew how to take his men into battle, and, and he could have just went out into battle. But, but the Bible says he would, he would say, seek the Lord. And one time the, there's a group came into the land of Israel, and, he, and he, he sought the Lord, and the Lord said, no, go behind him. Go behind him. And when you hear a stirring in the mulberry trees, in other words, he told, God told David how to ambush the enemy. God made him wiser than his enemies. He could outwit his enemies because God gave him that wisdom. You, God directed Joshua into battle. Joshua was always sensitive to the leading of the Lord when he'd go into battle. He makes us wiser than our enemies. He enlightens us. Uh, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light on path. Verse 105 Verse 130 of that chapter says, The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. See, it is God that enlightens my darkness. You know, we have, we have psychologists and psychiatrists that are trying to explain the difficult issues of life. And they never seem to solve the problems. Because the problems aren't all that complicated. If we just go to the word of God and accept what God says, all the problems would take care of themselves. You know, God, it's God that can give understanding into the needs and, and the, the desires of men. Uh, you know, the world doesn't understand 
why so much wickedness in the world? Why doesn't communism work? I mean, everybody working together and everybody having equal. Why doesn't that work? They left out one big problem. Sin. Man is naturally selfish. The reason communism doesn't work and all this equality doesn't work is because of the sin problem in the world. Uh, Man is not naturally good. He is naturally evil. That's the problem. No, it's God that enlightens us. It's, It's God that perfects. As for God, verse 30, his way is perfect. Um, Drop down to verse 32. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. You know, he, he, he is able to, to perfect us or to, might say, mature us and grow us. He, of course, he protects us as well. Uh, verse verse 30, as for his way, God his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. And again, that word buckler has the idea of a shield or protection to all those that trust in him. And so it's God that delivers. He enlightens. He protects us. He perfects us or grows us, gives, matures us. And, and, and you notice here, really the idea here is you get out of your relationship with the Lord what you put into it. We have to allow God to do that in our life. It's his judgments that I've got to obey him. I've got to make them important in my life. If I want them to benefit my life. Then notice really the rest of the chapter from verse 35 on. All the thou's. Again. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. Thy right hand hath hold me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou, thy, verse 36, thou hast enlarged my steps unto me, that my feet did not slip. That word enlarge has the idea of being useful, or enlarging, or making you more useful. David's kingdom was enlarged by the Lord, not by himself, but by the Lord. The Lord gave him wisdom. Uh, to govern his people. Uh, Verse 39, For thou hast girded me with strength under the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast also given me the necks of mine enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save, even to them, uh, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. All the thou. Verse 43, Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of of the heathen, a people whom I have not known shall serve me. You know, all these things thou hast done. You see, God desires to work, to manifest himself in our life. But we have to accept and make him a priority in our life. You know, we need to trust God. Trust in our God who can shield us. He can shield us from sin, from danger. He can protect us from error. He can deliver us from evil. You know, and he can do it with a cloud. You know, again, what is a cloud? It's vapor. It's really nothing. 
He can even use an enemy. He used the Philistines to deliver David at one point. Saul was after him, and he, he was, uh, had him surrounded, and, and word came the Philistines had invaded the land, so Saul had to, had to go back and fight the Philistines. He protected David using the Philistines. He used a whale to deliver Jonah. He could even use partners in crime and make them rivals. We'll hear about that in Sunday school. Sunday morning. Paul's being tried. And he says, he cries out, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. The hope of the resurrection am I in this change? And so because of that, the Pharisees and Pharisees start fighting among themselves. Yeah, there's no limit to God's power. I've, this was emailed me years ago said, a young soldier found himself in a terrible battle. The enemy was soundly defeating this young man's platoon. He and his comrades found themselves hastily retreating from the battlefield in defeat, running away in fear of their very lives. The enemy gave chase. He ran fast and hard, full of fear and desperation, soon found himself cut off from his comrades in arms. He eventually came upon a rocky ledge containing a cave. Knowing the enemy was close behind, that he was exhausted from the chase, he chose to hide there. After he crawled in, he fell into his face in the darkness, desperately crying out to God to save him, protect him from his enemies. He also made a bargain with God, one which he had, and he promised that if God saved him, he would serve him for the remainder of his days. When he looked up from his despairing plea for help, he saw a spider beginning to weave its web at the entrance of the cave. As he watched the delicate thread slowly be, being slowly drawn across the mouth of the cave, the young soldier pondered its irony. He thought, I asked God for protection and deliverance. And he sent me a spider instead. As the enemy cautiously moved forward to enter the cave, he came upon the spider's web, which by now was completely strung across the opening. He backed away, called out to a comrade, there can't be anyone in here. They would have had to break this spider's web to enter the cave. Let's move on. You see, God's not limited. He can use anything. Because everything in heaven and in earth is his. It's his. And so we need to trust. We need to trust. We all have our days when we get distressed. Do we not? We're all humans. But we need to trust in the power of our God to protect us and to deliver us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement that we find in this psalm. We thank you that we serve a God of all power. Father, help us just to trust and rest in you, knowing that you do all things well, and you allow things in our lives to, to challenge us, to encourage us, to grow us, mature us into a closer walk with thee. So help us just to rest in your power and your greatness. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.